In this final podcast for officer training, we're going to tackle perhaps the biggest theological mystery. It gives a lot of people fits. But it's a central question about the sovereignty of God. As officers, we are the standard bearers of the church's identity. We need to be able to know and affirm the character of God and the nature of fallen people. Here's a question to get us started. Can God be in control of the universe and still let humans make choices? This question of God's sovereign power and will has animated people for time immemorial. Think about it. If God's in control, how can we really have a choice? If we have a choice, then how is God in control? Answers to this question have created denominations, universities, and even martyrs. Can we make peace with this puzzle in the next few minutes? Sure we can. Let's go. Without the freedom to choose, people are actually puppets. Without choice, people are not responsible for their actions. Scholars have long sought to resolve this tension between God's will and human will. So right up front, let's point out something pretty obvious. Human beings are limited. Limited. So trying to understand a limitless God will get us in over our heads at some point. And this question is one of those points. If we could solve every mystery of faith, then could we really call it faith? Faith only within reason centers on humans, not God. So be encouraged right up from the outset. What God reveals about himself in Scripture takes us right to the edge of the mystery of God, as well it should. Nevertheless, people do try to solve mysteries What they end up doing when they can't solve it is shrink the issue down to something manageable. Shrink it down to one side or another in this case. Either human choice or God's control. Let's look at these two errors. Some people reduce the argument to human will and discount God's will. The idea that we choose God is called Arminianism or Pelagianism. Both named for historic figures that defended the position that humans... Choose God. Arminianism says this. God has a vote. Satan has a vote. And we cast the deciding vote for ourselves. The problem with this position is that it takes credit from God for human redemption and holiness. It negates God's grace, His unmerited favor, by crediting people with the merit of a good choice. If that is true then we don't really need to repent and be transformed. We just need God to tidy us up a bit. Jesus' crucifixion suggests our problem is much bigger than that. Paul debates with himself about God's will in Romans 9. He asks himself, who can resist his will? The question suggests that if God is in total control of everything, every little thing, then he cannot hold people responsible for their actions. Arminianism looks at that and it solves it by saying human beings are responsible to choose God. Okay, so that's the first error. Other people go the opposite direction. They reduce everything to God's will and just ignore how humans can be held responsible. This is not Calvinism, but hyper-Calvinism or 
determinism. It's what people who don't understand Calvinism think of Calvinism. Paul confronts the issue of human responsibility head on. He illustrates it with a picture of a potter standing over the same batch of clay. Can you picture that? And then what Paul says is that God is, that, that the potter uh, being, you know, representing God intends that same batch of clay for different purposes. One for a noble purpose and one for a common use. But, and this is key, his argument here is hypothetical. He says, what if, in the pivotal verse, Romans, uh, Romans 9, 19, what if? His point is not to resolve the mystery, but to remind us that God is God. He's not saying God wants some people not to be saved. After all, that would mean God wants some people to ignore him and to sin. That can't be right. Instead, Paul is using a device, a hypothetical worst-case scenario in order to settle the question at the edge of mystery. Paul's making a broader point that God's ways are higher than our ways. Remember, Scripture interprets Scripture. We must read the part in light of the whole. It's called the whole counsel of God. For example, in 2 Peter 3.9, it says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So we can read Paul as determinist if we want to, but that's not accurate. Suggesting that people have no responsibility for their actions, but are simply locked in, that's just not what he's saying. The doctrine of predestination, of the elect, of being a chosen people, is simply this, and listen closely. It is a dynamic view of God's sovereignty, that God's will can prevail even when human will contradicts. God does not need to crush our will for His will to emerge. He is God. His ways are higher than our ways. Is Paul suggesting that since everyone sins and deserves wrath, that God cannot be faulted for choosing some to love and regenerate? In a way, yes. Is he saying this to conclude that God is therefore determinist and that we should just get over it? No. When considering the whole counsel of God, like 2 Peter that I just read, applying predestination personally, this doctrine becomes a life-giving mystery. It holds God's glory above all things and yet compels us to a brilliant vision of God who would work through us to reach all humankind with the light of this truth and loving invitation to know Him. God and human beings are personal, so theology must operate not just as ideas, but within the personal context of His mission and evangelism. I think the mystery can best be summed up with these helpful words of C.S. Lewis. He says this, there are two kinds of people. Those who, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. So, corrupt people are bound to choose self above all else. It's when they stop choosing 
that they can be chosen. Why some people choose themselves and other people do not remains a mystery for now. In sum, Paul dismisses the question, who can resist his will, as out of order. Not because God cancels human will, but because God's will is dynamic, neither limited to human choice nor its absence. God does not need to destroy human will in order to regenerate it. His work is restorative, not destructive.